0: Hello, I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, YouTuber, Instagrammer, Facebooker, interviewer, etc., etc., and welcome to the second series of my In Bed with Neil Moody podcast. In series one, I interviewed friends and work colleagues from the fashion and beauty industry who are entrepreneurial and also think outside the box. In Series 2, I'm expanding outside of my industry a little more, and I'm subtitling this series, Turning a Corner. While some of my guests are still people in my industry, there will be others featured who I've met through my more recent conversations about mental health on Jamie Day's Talk podcast, Scott Laidler's Healthy Ambition podcast, and Jamie Neal's 360 Yourself podcast. Everybody I'm interviewing this time around either chose, were encouraged or forced to turn a different corner in their lives. For episode one, I'm interviewing my friend, the adorable Serena Reese MBE. Serena grew up in central London, working various jobs. And in 1994, tired of seeing women dressed in drab undergarments, came up with the idea to start a lingerie store in partnership with her then husband, Joe Corrie, son of Vivian Westwood. That store was Agent Provocateur. And the first shop was on broadwick street in soho london agent provocateur grew into a brand spanning into 13 different countries with over 30 stores following serena and joe's divorce the company was sold in 2007. since then serena started coca maya a bakery and chocolatier with several branches in london which eventually closed and in may 2017 she founded les girls les boys a men's women's and unisex underwear meets streetwear label I met Serena in her home to chat about her recent new venture. Morning Serena. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here in your lovely place in W one uh, yeah. But you've been here for ages, haven't you? Up west. Yeah, up west. west. Up the West End. Up the West End
1: girl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have been here for ages. I think we came here in about 2000. Is it really? So that's about yeah.
0: 19 years ago. Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, maybe it was, yeah, I don't know. No, maybe it was a tiny bit later than that. But anyway, we've been here quite a long time. Yeah.
0: So when was Kate's birthday then? Well, we had
1: her 30th birthday. Yeah. That was such an amazing evening. uh, Didn't she look so good? So amazing. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was kind of great. And Jay and Sam then um, were together and they lived next door. And so we had the party between the two houses because they kind of, in, to join through the garden, and yeah, it yeah. was yeah really good fun. Actually, yeah. I love yeah I love. Actually, these places are so special—a building in London that I just always think do, do, you know it's got to be shared. Yeah, you've you got. You can't just rattle around here, it. you know, on your own. Is it Georgian? Yes. Yeah. They're Robert Adams, and they're built by Robert Adams in about 1752. Right. Um, very very. Yeah. I love uh, the high ceilings as well. Yeah. That's what's This great, is the, we call this the ice cream room. <laughs> <laughs> or I call it the ice
0: cream room. But yeah, looking up at the ceiling because of yeah. the colours. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this is the ice cream room, oh, that's the bird room. Yeah. yeah. And actually, weirdly, back in the day, we used to have this as the Agent Frotter HQ. Yeah, that's right. And we had a flat yeah. on the top
0: two floors. Well, there was, a, I remember reading really one, but why aren't mm-hmm. you going to sell the whole place? Or did that? Um, No. (laughs) I love it
1: too much I mean maybe because I well I had a really it was very strange so I decided this is a bit weird do I feel comfortable and okay with uh, the idea of living in such a huge beautiful house Mm. of course I don't need I like space and Mm. I like uh, and the proportions of the rooms and everything brings me joy in this house. Yeah. And I feel very lucky to be here. And, um, but I love property and I love architecture. Anyway, I kind of did what I called a hair and makeup. <coughs> uh, I did a kind of hair and makeup job on it. Yeah. Just, just quick after the, we moved our John out and I just thought, well, let's just see. Mm. Did it. Went on holiday. Went to New York for Christmas. We were supposed to go to Jamaica and something happened, so we had to come back. Went to bed, Woke up at five AM in the morning, and Cora was like, "Mummy, mummy, there's water mm. gushing through. It's like a river in my bedroom." Yeah. What? And it basically, it flooded from the top down. Shit. And we came into this room, and I swear we were this deep in—we were like knee deep in water no in here. Oh and there were only four of us in the building, including one child, Cora. Running, uh, you know, getting every pot, pan, everything, and the funniest thing was, that I just saw this colander floating. I oh, went, "Who the fuck? <laughs> is this? <laughs> this is really not going to help anything." Anyway, so we moved out, and we had to move out for three years.
0: Oh my god, is it that bad? Yeah. Damage? Well, it takes
1: a, it took a year to dry because of the f- it's so protected, and the yeah. fabric of the building has to be kind of you can't just blast it
0: dry. Mm. To dry it slowly again. Right, right. Wow. But you grew up around here, didn't you? Sort of? Sort of. Well, i kind of. I've got that you grew up in sort of Malibu. Is that right? If I did my research. I'm <laughs> still growing up. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's yeah. true. It's yeah. definitely
1: true. I grew up... I was born in London. Yeah. In the 60s. Me too. <laughs> Just <I> not London. <laughs> Yeah. I've lived here most of my life. I've lived in a couple of other places along the way. And uh, yeah, I do call it my home. I love London. Yeah. Until last year was the first time ever that I kind of considered going somewhere else because that just whole bloody mess and it's just boring. But I can't, I don't know where the hell,
0: where the hell do you go? I know,
1: yeah. So I've lived here my whole life. It's everything to me, London. But what was your childhood like? I was adopted. I was kind of part of this... um, well, not experiment. Um, it was like a sort of, you know, they had a sort of social study and they decided that they were going to see what happens with interracial adoption and whether it worked or oh, not, right. yeah. and it totally worked for us. It was great yeah. and um, issues really, but I remember we used to have to go to sometimes, to these sort of, meet all the other people and yeah. they ask you questions and... So where were your natural parents from
0: then? Kashmir. Right.
1: And weirdly, I found out not so long ago that my real mother worked round the corner. Oh, wow. At this, and I go past the building every day. Wow. Was that that weird finding that out?
0: Oh, it was just kind of funny. Funny, yeah. Yeah. Did you do a
1: who do you think you are? No, no, that would be kind of fun. That would be kind of fun. No, and I, my parents, my mum's that. A Londoner, yeah. just from the south, London. mm. <laughs> She met my dad, who was from Wales. They went. They both. They both kind of. They went to Cambridge. They got. Mm. They're super bright yeah. and clever, um, and they both got scholarships and went there and met each other and fell in love and and got married and they couldn't have children
0: and they adopted me, which mm. is lucky for me, really. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's
1: good. Just proof that adoption can be amazing. Yeah, right, it's definitely well, because... can work.
0: I always feel with adoption There's can be sort of weird, I don't know, feelings around it sometimes, can't they? I
1: think because of how I I definitely looked like different, you know, and I think from an early age, you know, my parents were amazing. They they made me feel like I was special. Mm. Um, They were kind of smart the way they approached it. You, you know, and I knew I was adopted, but I thought it was something really special. And yeah. I had actually the clever thing they did was give me two birthdays. I I have an adopted birthday and a real birthday, and so I guess when I was a kid, my friends were like, "Oh, I want to be adopted. I want to have two
0: birthdays." <laughs> that, that's so that oh, yeah. <laughs> but did they want you to go to Cambridge, or did, or did they not? Uh, ever well, force that was the people. brilliant thing
1: about them is that they. I think the best thing that my parents have given me is they allowed me to be me. Yeah. They allowed me to be me and I left home when I was sixteen and I left school when I was sixteen and I'd hadn't I had not i could not do any of that anymore and so I ventured out into
0: the big wide The big London wide world. world and how
1: much fun we had. You know, it's really funny because I had my first job was actually where I met most people that I know and Ooh. then they that linked on to more people that we know and I worked for this company called Marlowe and they used to make all the model cards and model books for all the model agencies from Paris, Milan, New York, London, Miami weirdly I Mm -hmm. think that was an 80s thing
0: yeah but the composite cards yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah. and that's what I worked in the studio I was like the junior I suppose I would have been yeah junior to start off with, and then I ended up running the studio, and I worked really hard, but I met so many people, and basically, you know, and I was a club kid, yeah. and ran around, I lived just off the King's Road, it was just that time, yeah. I had so much fun. Perfect time to be around there, right? It was fun. I had a lot of fun. Because I, I
0: also read that you worked at your mum's gallery when you were really little.
1: Oh, that's round the
0: corner. Yeah. That's
1: maybe what the thing was. Yeah. Yeah, no, my mum, my, uh, one of my godfathers... I've got two really fabulous godfathers, <laughs> um, both gay, both wow. <laughs> Sadly, one of them's not alive anymore. And actually, he was a, he was a Georgian specialist. Mm. So he would love this best. The other one had a gallery. It was called Gallery Five around mm-hmm. the corner. His name's Ian and my mummy swept there. Actually, in all the holidays and everything, I had to go to work with my mum. Yeah. It's funny because I go, walk up there now and I was like, I'd go around the corner on my own when yeah. I was five, walk to the shops, get everybody lunch, mm-hmm. go to the sweet shop. Brilliant. But I liked, I used to, yeah, work with all the
0: people, yeah. work with the girl in the... It sounds like you, know. right. you were quite independent
1: think, yeah, as Yeah, I guess girls. I was. And I was an mm-hmm. only child, so you have to learn to... Well, you make friends because you can't yeah. rely on anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have to make friends. Is that the thing on oh, well, holiday when you go on the beach and you're like, oh, those kids are building stuff, I really want to be doing it. Yeah, just to, you just to have to join do. in. Like, yeah. yeah. So that's something that I learned, probably. I'm okay in my own space, on my own. I mm. quite like my own company as well. So when you're on the King's Road, because
0: mm. the other thing that I read was that you were modelling. Mm. Do you know what? I've never been a model. But well, you know what? I asked Carl, yeah. for anyone who's listening, Carl Pluka, a friend of mine, and, Serena, and he yeah. said, I don't think she was a model. No,
1: I certainly was not. I hate having my photo. taken more than <laughs> anything in the whole wide world. I like to be the other side of the camera. And I think, what must have happened one time, somebody wrote something, and because I we used to do the model cards. Oh, maybe they not got mixed did know what we are talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, no, I'd hate to be a model. <laughs> you
0: could be That's very gorgeous. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no. But no, if it's not your thing, it's not no. your thing, is it?
1: really. But did you work then work for Vivian? I did. So I worked, after that I was in advertising, I was, a, I was an art buyer. Oh mm. no, yeah, I was an art buyer in an advertising agency for a while. And then I left and I was helping out this friend of mine, repping hair, makeup, photographer, stylist. Oh, really? I hated it. Traipsing around with these great big <laughs> the <massive> portfolios, portfolio. <laughs> sitting behind a really depressing desk in Eagle Wharf when nothing was there. It was hell. Yeah. I think I lasted about three months and I just thought, why am I sitting behind this desk booking these fantastic locations for everybody to go? And I'm in like the yeah. greyest, horrible, most depressing place ever yeah. not doing this. And then I met Joe Corre. Mm had a really funny nightclub, night out. He was with John Galliano. Where did you used to go out? It was out? really funny. Oh my God, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you know, it was so brilliant. I had this rule, actually. So, I guess the wag. I mean, all those clubs. No, I mean, Diorama. I mean, my clubbing goes from 80s kind of wag to Shum, yeah. Summer of Love, to O'Kinky oh, Galinky, Taboo I used to go to. Yeah. But then it was, that was before that bit. Did you
0: just go to Billion Dollar Babes? And yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what then, was that
1: other on one? City of Angels City that Oliver of Angels, did.
0: yeah. Everything. And there was one on a Sunday as well, wasn't there? Quiet Store. No, Quiet, Quiet Store was a Friday.
1: That wasn't that, Tabina and yeah. Graham. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then what was the one on
1: the Sunday? Oh, it was after, oh, it was that guy. Uh, <sighs> that was Palace what? used to be on the door. That's right. Yeah, on a, Palace Citron. <laughs> <laughs> Palace Citron Rickles.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Solaris.
1: Solaris. Yeah.
0: So we we pretty much went to the same. Class. And they did.
1: Do you remember they did that the same song at the end of the night. Always. 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 What song was it though? I'm every woman.
0: That's it. Yeah. So really, you were a bit of a girl about town, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> but in a, you know. Just having you fun. know, I had a
1: lot of fun. I had so much fun. And basically, because I didn't go to university, that's the thing, because I didn't go to college or uni. Mm. That was my college or uni. And I'll tell you what was a really pivotal moment for me. When Sam McKnight had his 60th birthday in mm. Tramp,
0: mm.
1: I went and I was like, oh, this is kind of, oh, my God, a 60th. This is the first person out of our gang that's 60. Basically, every single person was there. It was like seeing my whole... Life flashing before me. Yeah. Everyone that I've been clubbing with over the you know, trade, yeah. you know, all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Everyone was there. Danny Rampling and De- Danny and Jenny Rampling from Shum, sure, they were there. People were, like happy. were going, ah, you know, and yeah. just all the people that you'd met over the years. And I just thought, wow, this is kind of great. You realize what a good time you've had, don't yeah. you? Really,
0: in situations like that. And
1: I would never really describe myself as a club kid, but actually. I was at every single club mm. all of the time, <laughs> and I work, I worked really, really hard. Yeah,
0: I love working. So, I'm trying. To, I was trying to think the other day when I very first met you, and I couldn't remember because I think it was. I think it was a
1: Corin. I think Carl. It was a, yeah, a
0: Corin Carl moment yeah. wasn't it? Really, yeah. I always remember Carl saying, "You know what, Serena is a really hard worker." That's what he used to yeah. say about you. And but he was. was but yeah. he was too.
1: Yeah, because when I met Carl, he was Vivian's PA.
0: Which was and something. were you at Vivian then Were you? and so at no at I wasn't
1: so then Joe needed some help and I was I, left, I couldn't bear to do that thing I mean I did anything whatever I was temping
0: because
1: yeah. I needed cash in it was like well I'm not going to take a job I don't want to do so I'd just do it, you know and he really needed some help over there and I was like okay I'll come and help in, uh, at Westwood uh, Westwood yeah and it was quite a crazy time it was okay. fun and We I mean god Carl was that one on the Kings Road
0: or do you mean in the It offices? wasn't in the
1: shop, it was in the offices. Right. In Battersea. And I just kind of ended up helping them out. I'd never worked in a shop in my life. <laughs> and Joe said, oh, you've got to go sort the this, this shop out. Somebody needs to be there." I'm like, okay. <laughs> I got there and I was like, okay, so what do we do, everybody? And yeah. they're all like, not doing anything. I'm like, oh, God, I can't do this. Come yeah. on, let's, yeah, let's, let's start. Get and bit, then, yeah. you know, before you know it, you're working in the press office, then you're... I'll never forget one time actually, I think it might have been me and Carl, drove the white van to Paris with the collection in it. Well,
0: and from I've... London to Paris? Yeah.
1: I oh, know, maybe. What did we do? No, we didn't. They used to drive the collection in a white van, and then we had to go get some flowers for at the end of the show, me and Carl. So we got in a white van. We were driving around, like, you know, these crazy, I don't know, like the Arctic tree or something. Yeah. It was like being in a some funny old French movie in this big white van driving around Paris just to get some flowers. It was good fun. It really? was really fun. Yeah. It was a funny time. And it was that time of late 80s, early... No, 90s. Early 90s. So it was Naomi and Linda. Yeah, and, all the big suits. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. Grand right. hotel.
0: So did you used to go to the shows? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Help
1: with the selling, everything. Was and fun. were you head
0: to toe in Westwood? Head to toe.
1: <laughs> I am today. You are today, actually, Yeah. I yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So from there, obviously you'd met Joe at that point, mm-hmm. were you, you and Joe dating then? Yeah. Yeah. So... If you could call it that. If you could. Where did Agile Procateur come from? How did you then go, you two sit oh. down and go, right, okay. Okay, so... Where's the idea from?
1: What happened was, you know, he'd been working for his mother for a long time. I think he probably wanted a way out. He got his mum's company to a place that he thought was good enough. He felt he'd taken her to the level that he yeah. we couldn't, we couldn't do the next bit and also didn't want to. Yeah. And anyway, we kind of came up with this concept for this idea. It was different than actually how it ended up being. Effectively, a lifestyle store, but lifestyle stores didn't really exist then. So we're talking about early 92, something like that. Yeah. And so we're working at Westwood, doing everything and... Basically, that was my day job. And then my evening job, I used to research everything for this new project. Mm. And so the idea was that everything in this lifestyle store, or sort of almost like mini department store, was had a sort of underlying theme of sort of sensuality or erotism. I mean, there was going to be a restaurant which was sort of a restaurant and bar where you'd go with a date and you'd right. have, I don't know, mm. it's kind of like... Did all this research into aphrodisiacs? You know, it's like yeah. you could everything in there was for sale. So there'd be, I don't know, there'd be books and there'd be art and there'd be for the bedroom yeah. home as they would now call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Furniture, just sort of but everything. All leaning towards sexy, sexy in some way yeah, or another. But then it happened. would be things like so I, we researched so much. I mean, I worked really, really hard. And I really enjoyed it and just prepared everything so that we had. Every section and every section of this store was going to have what we needed. We went to New York, Paris, everywhere, Milan for the furniture. I mean, I'd have things like the Salvador Dali lip sofa or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's sort of an element of something, mm. that type of thing. And then also there was a section of lingerie, yeah. underwear. And basically we were about 24... Nobody really, and we wanted a big space in Soho. We needed a big space. And everyone was like, the landlords were a bit like, oh, who are these two young kids? How the hell are they going to pay this? And we were just coming out of a recession. And... We kind of got gazumped. So our first property that we found was on Lexington Street and we got gazumped by Mm. Alan Yao. He did that, uh, Wagamama. Yeah. was furious. (sighs) We've been eating Wagamama for a very (laughs) long (laughs) time. We were so pissed off, well, disappointed, I guess. And then we found another space. Again, the landlord just wouldn't take a risk with us. And then we were just sort of really, and we'd done so much work by this point. We'd got the licenses Mm. and the bar and da, 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 da. And anyway, we got, it kind of like got, we got gazumped on it. And we just said, sod this, not moping around, feeling sorry for ourselves. So we took one small... Oh, no, the other funny thing is that we wanted some money. Somebody (laughs) could somebody give us some money. Yeah. And Malcolm McLaren, Joe's dad, went, oh, you you know, I've got all these friends in the music business. They've all got money. You can ask them. They'll back you. They'll back you. No one would give us a penny. And there was one person... Who offered us a thousand pounds? It was like, oh, yeah, no like, thanks. You know how we do? Yeah, with that? just piss off. Right? And so, do you know what we did? It was really funny. We sold all our stuff in right. counter market, like our jeans and our records and our this and our that, and we got a whole load of money. To anyway, so we got gazumped on the thing, and we thought, well, oh, this is really depressing. Not gonna, not gonna like feel sorry for ourselves. So we took one tiny element of the original concept. So we took the lingerie element. Mm -hmm. We found that little store on Broadwick Street in Mm Soho, tiny. Completely, I did all the interiors, we actually decorated it ourselves, did the whole thing ourselves. And- um, So you had to
0: scrap the lifestyle idea really? Yeah, but in a funny kind of way,
1: I mean it could have come full circle. If I'd probably stayed there I would have made it come full circle. So. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's and we makes added sense. the fragrance, we added yeah. you know books. Yeah, yeah happened as it went we on, it. There.
0: Yeah. It's funny because that makes sense so I was gonna say to you why did you choose Soho, but now with the idea of what the concept was, yeah. it makes sense from what Soho used to represent as yeah. in the area. Yeah. Because around then I remember I think when was it? I was, was I Freelancing? What year was it? I don't know. 94. So I'd just gone freelance. But I remember just before then, I was in Covent Garden in the salon. Yeah. Soho was only just starting to change. It was actually becoming a bit of like the gay mecca. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. But okay. there was still loads of like prostitution going on there. Yeah. and the little, light. The, yeah, red light stuff, wasn't there? Yeah. But yeah, now, because I was going to say to you, why did you pick Soho? But now it makes more sense.
1: And it's, it's got that energy to it. Yeah. Sometimes dark energy. mm yeah. It was really good fun. And it was really good fun. I don't know. There's something about that. Everybody comes in. Everybody goes past. So many funny things happened in that store. Like, yeah. everyone used to... Because we were right near St. Martin's. Everyone used to come and hang out in the shop. Mm. So, I don't know. From, like, Katie Graham to Stella McCartney to... Yeah. Whoever, Giles, and they always used to come sit on the steps and hang out and yeah. be there, and it was kind of fun. And... Well, it was such a new idea, wasn't it, for London? Yeah. I think, you know what it was? I think we just sort of said, the, the whole idea was sort of, it, how it sort of then continued is that it was sort of saying, you know, don't be afraid of your sexuality, mm-hmm. own it, it's yours, you own it, it's your power. And use it how you will. Yeah, you can show it. You don't have to show it. It's you know it can be your secret pair or, or flaunt it if you've got it. Yeah. But I think what's really interesting looking back is that that went so, it kind of went so far, it was mm-hmm. like you can't go any further. Yeah. And then obviously you got social media and everybody's taking all their clothes off and it's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, went to another so level then, Went to it. a whole other level. <laughs> <laughs> but we had some, that shot was so much fun because people used to come and hang out. We, I'll never forget once we did this shoot with Naomi at, in the window. <laughs> And I think I remember, remember that. Yeah. The whole yeah. of Soho came to a standstill because yeah. she um, she was late, and we didn't start shooting till much later. So by the time she's like in the window taking off her mac, yeah, it's lunchtime full on. I mean, you couldn't have planned it better, really, yeah. if you'd wanted to. But it was just sort of, you know that's just how it goes. So basically, she did a kind of fabulous striptease in the window, <laughs> impromptu. And then she got this, her car got delivered. She had this amazing Mercedes Sport, you know, like one of those old ones, beautiful. Somehow this guy brings the car, and the whole of, because it's was all one-way streets around there, isn't it? And it just, yeah. everything got back to, she said, oh, car. let's go for a ride in the middle of the shoe, <laughs> in my lovely new car. I was like, okay. And really had, yeah. so it was so, just funny, fun thing. But what a way to advertise it, though, as
0: well. I mean, no. it really... Yeah, it's like, it's but like Corinne used
1: to come in. Yeah. I think she brought, she was great, Corinne. Really. She was round the corner. Wasn't she, she was round the corner, so she'd come a lot and she used mm. to come and sit and have a chat.
0: I used to know somebody in the Baldwick Street shop, but I'm trying to think who it
1: was. Paloma, maybe. maybe Cooler. No. No. Lynette.
0: Maybe. Lynette Yeah, Lynette yes.
1: came. Yeah. So there was like, yeah, Lynette, me and Abby used to have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun.
0: But also it was because it was kind of like the first proper lingerie company from Britain, wasn't it? In terms of like taking it to another yeah. Level. I think
1: what we did was we kind of because we all because we had a fashion background, we put the fashion into yeah brought the fashion into that market, the fashionability, and just completely turned that home. You know sector on its head because yeah, there yeah, hadn't yeah. been really amazing colors and fabrics and prints and yeah. graphic, you know mm. and we gave it that so i think the
0: main i mean tell me if i'm wrong but the main idea of andre was very french wasn't it in a way well the and thing I is i think that.
1: what what agent provocateur was was this sort of idea it's it was a place that you imagine in your head to exist and you think it's in Paris, or maybe it's in Rome, or some sex down some sexy little back street where yeah. you go know, get something nice. And when we were, we were researching, I was travelling around, thought you were going to find it in Paris, couldn't find it. Yeah. Thought you were going to find it somewhere else, or like maybe in LA, some old sort of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know.
0: A bit like Fred, was it Frederick's Hollywood? That.
1: <laughs> that's so sad because that's just trashy, awful. I don't yeah. even know if it's gone bust or something. And so we created that, and that was it. Really seemed to you know, it was like a common fantasy that people had imagined that existed and it didn't and then suddenly yeah, we created it created, and we yeah. made it happen and that yeah. whole, and it was an experience and it was, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. And, yeah, and we had lots, of, everybody wanted to kind of do things with us and we used to make little short, well, I mean, now everybody makes fashion yeah, films. Yeah, but you were like one of the 1st way to make little short yeah. films? And yeah, because we couldn't, yeah, we couldn't really afford, we didn't, we didn't really have any budgets for yeah. doing fabulous, amazing shoes, and I think we did that one with Kylie. Mm. That was where, it was one of the first viral campaigns that wasn't even meant to be viral. Yeah, her on the bucking bronco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we shot Kate, um, Jess, Kate, me, Mike Ferguson, and Joe one evening hanging out here at Mansfield Street. Kind of came up with this concept in the kitchen, lying mm. around. Um, chatting we came up with this concept and idea and we did this series of night films with <laughs> Kate actually around the corner from here yeah. all night in the dark with where can you see account. those still are they on
0: YouTube God knows one? I don't know well, it would be good to know if they are wouldn't they I, know. I, I, remember, I remember them coming out I remember them. yeah they were great Yeah, yeah they, they were, were, were quite yeah. beautiful
1: the pictures were lovely but it was hard work yeah, yeah.
0: All day. and so at what point did the company then expand and become
1: thing is, we opened that one store and we opened it in the December 94 and I was working in the shop at the time and then I think Lynette came was mm-hmm. with me. There was a queue around the block the first month, like literally a queue, and then it just kind of, word of mouth it was great because there was no social media you know things didn't spread as quickly but it was a word of mouth and everyone there were a lot of people in New York yeah. so then everybody in New York knew and then it started oh you mm-hmm. know when you go to a city it's like oh where should I go oh have you been to that new place yeah. and I think that's what happened and so slowly and then we opened a second store in Knightsbridge but it was always a little bit off the beaten track because that was part of the Finding it yeah. and discovering yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and then we grew it and grew it, and we just kept going. I don't. We didn't in really intend to. No, just. I mean, listen. Much. We didn't even think we were going to be designing <coughs> underwear. I, you know, researched these places to buy. What happened was we bought all this stuff, in, and then we realized, oh, there's not enough things out there that we yeah. like to buy. Yeah. And I won't put something in my shop that I don't really believe in and love and you know stand by. So we started. Designing and producing Andre, which is actually one of the hardest things. Yeah, we learned the long way around. And then it kind of took off, I and mean, we, before you know it, you're like, you've got 300, you've employed 300 people, and it was quite stressful. Yeah. And when did you have Cora, Cora nice. come along? Uh, Cora, I had in 1997. Yeah. That was fun. She's a I grown took a. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I remember actually I was like eight, eight and a half months pregnant. We did this party. It was a swimwear, it's Law Child Swimwear. I remember Sophie Dahl, like, with this baby leopard dragging it down the catwalk, it didn't want to walk, and um, Tysa had a snake round her neck. The, te- the snake's tail was doing weird things. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, are you okay? She went, oh, I not quite like it. <laughs> I wasn't going to be one of those people that completely changed my life because I had a child. She was part of our life. Yeah. We were. You know, yeah, you're a family and, and yeah. you wanted it to be with you. And weirdly, the house that I lived in at the time when she came... We I lived in Clarkhamark. Nobody lived there when we lived mm. there. And then we all lived in this building. And then I remember looking out the window one day and then Katie England arrived. It's like, oh, Katie England's left West London. She's over here. <laughs> and then she lived on the top floor. Then there was us. And then Sharon Dowsett lived in yeah. that building. Kind of derelict, bloody cold building. <laughs> but I had Cora and I remember... Having the baby, I had to be in hospital for a week, and I went home and I was like, "What are we supposed to do?" Yeah, like so I got I got on number fifty-five bus and went into Soho, <laughs> <Really? laughs> back to work. And <laughs> uh, sometimes I'd idea. have her upstairs if I was working in the shop, and I'd have her upstairs, and then I'd suddenly the you know, this baby yeah. go gurgling. So then, and then I had we had an office up the road on up Wardour Street, and she mm. used to come there, and you know she sort of used to roll around and. Under the desk. And then she kind of rolled a bit too much. And it's like, okay, she can't come to work. Anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. But she kind of went
1: everywhere with us. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. When did you get your MBA? I didn't even know you were an MBA. I know, it's kind of... I couldn't believe it. I got this letter. It was in 2007, you know, when, uh, which was a big t- turning point in my life. And I got this letter and it said, you know, Majesty the Queen, da, 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 and I thought, is this a joke? Yeah. <laughs> this has got to be a joke. For you know, but I accepted mine. Mm. You can accept or decline.
0: Right.
1: So I accepted mine. Weirdly, yeah. I went to pick it up maybe a few weeks after I sold Agent Factor. Right. So it was, a, it was the timing was amazing because it was like it was the end of. That part of my life, yeah. and I was recognised for it. Mm. And of course, Joe had accepted his, and then decided at the last minute he didn't want it, oh, and geez. caused a big old furore. And sort of said, sent it back, which you're not allowed to do. Did loads of press. Ended up on the front page of the Indie, mm. saying why he didn't want it. And yeah, us, you're ruining it. But I didn't allow it to ruin it. Yeah, and yeah. I had a big. It was fun. It was really good fun. And it was. She was brilliantly funny. Mm. The Queen. And oh, she, was it the Queen actually gave yeah. it to you? Right. She had, I just couldn't keep my eyes off the dining oh, yeah. and she was so funny and so charming, and yeah, yeah we had a chat about knickers. Did you? <laughs> what did she say?
0: Were you allowed to say? No,
1: I don't think I should. No? I no. think that was our conversation, Yeah. it was great. Yeah. But it was kind of cool, there were like lollipop ladies from Devon, there was a lollipop lady next to me, and she'd never left her village.
0: Right.
1: And then I'm actually Princess Anne's daughter, the horse. The horse oh, horse. yeah, um, Sarah Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, she yeah. was next to me. She was great fun as well. Her mum got a front row seat. Oh. <laughs> no, it was great. I took my mum, I took Cora, I took Cora's friend Angelica. <laughs> Do you so get nominated nice.
0: for them? For I
1: don't know, there must be some sort of somebody. panel or committee. Yeah. Let's say. Well, and it's for your contribution. That was for our contribution, or my contribution, to the British fashion industry. Yeah. Because yeah. you're a business you're doing. that's doing well and you're very British and you're known as a sort of cool British brand. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So, it was, it was really great. It came at such a good moment and I felt like, you know. When you sold
0: that Jean then, did that feel, were you happy that happened?
1: Or? It was a funny time. Yes and no. Mm. In some ways it was a relief, in other ways it was strange but it was definitely the right thing and the right time. I mean, timing could not have been better (laughs) because it was pre-crash and we did good, but it it, it wasn't a very nice process. Mm. And I have to say, I think that's the first time I ever noticed, and I've never noticed before, how um, greedy people are. Mm. And the minute there's sort of whiff of, in the air of some cash, the sharks come. The thing that I noticed that I hadn't noticed For and maybe I've been really naive, but I'd never thought about the difference between being a woman in business or a man in business. But I was treated like shit. Really. And then I realised, you know, I'm not going to let this happen. Yeah. Because it just never occurred to me, you know, in the way that, and and now it's you know such a talking. Yeah.
0: Massive talk.
1: It was really interesting. Very interesting times. Yeah, it felt really weird afterwards. The next day, I went to some, so I've been invited to go to some sort of dinner and talk, and all these people sort of connecting, and they had to go around the table and say who you were. And suddenly, you you aren't, you know, Serena from Agent you're yeah. Serena. Yeah. Like, I remember phoning somebody up the next day and I said, Hi, can I speak to, you know, Neil Moody? Oh, yeah, who's calling? Um, Serena, Serena Reese. From, <laughs> like, I'm not from anywhere, from Malibu, <laughs> you know, down the road. I, yeah. You know, I do exist in my uh, in my own right as a person. So that that was a weird thing, yeah, to become just yourself.
0: What did you say at the dinner when it got to you?
1: I said, I said, I don't know what to say, I sold my company yesterday, so I'm actually Serena, and, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then that was really interesting because it, you know, it was it was a funny thing and yeah. so you're not defined, or you were defined yeah. as blah blah or blah blah that's friends with so and
0: so or blah blah that- I can relate to that bit because since leaving Wendell Moody yeah. which is now a year and a half ago is it? Yeah. yeah you know I've had people say oh how you know they talk about Wendell and Moody but, but I've done a couple of talks and I used to be able to say I was a co-founder of Moon and Moody now I don't you know what I mean but you no
1: but that's the thing because you're never not the founder yeah of
0: mm. Yeah, you can't. You true. can't
1: not use it. You might not want to talk about that, and that be the at the forefront. But yeah. that there's no taking that away. Yeah. So. Yeah, that always exists, I guess, is not it? It's mm-hmm. a thing.
0: Mm. It's just you're not part of it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But then you did. Mm. This is, no. and I love this because I remember going and being like, "Oh my god, coca oh, no. mia, sorry, coca
1: yeah, yeah, delicious." I so after I finished, was that a
0: guilty pleasure? Well, do
1: you know what? I after after the sale of Agent Property, I was you know, I'd I had worked non stop, probably worked seven days a week. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You. holidays weren't really a big yeah. focus you know, back over the, time, the years, so. you know. And I had worked my ass off since I was 16, so I took a bit of time out and you know, I split, I got divorced from my husband. You know, I wanted to be there for my daughter. I, you know, they were treating me pretty badly. It was a tough, tough Mm. deal, but it was quite exciting at the the same time. And so I just took time and I realised I'd been outputting, like kind of Mm. for so long and I just needed to sort of, I don't know, breathe in Mm. and breathe, you know, and look and see and think. And so I had a little time just like... Who am I? What mm. am I doing? How am I gonna wear next? Yeah. And then I got approached by so many people, like every major underwear brand you can possibly mm. imagine approached me. I was like, no, I've done that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. And, um, and then lots of different people and I started consulting for different people, and then my friend Joel Bernstein kind of approached me and said, You've got to come do this. And I said, I can't, I'm not ready to do anything. And then mm. I went and did it with them and it was great. And so after that for about 10 years, I just worked in things that I had a passion for, so food, yeah. <laughs> being one of them. By the I way, for anybody that's
0: listening, Coco Mile was this really gorgeous bakery, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, sort of sure we had two parts yeah. to it, yeah. yeah. The
1: most incredible chocolates and, and baked goods, and it was quite dangerous. Because That's I was cool. doing a tasting or meeting somebody. They just a check tea. that taste yeah. all
0: right.
1: <laughs> I thought it was good. It was, I have to say, you know, we've all worked in the creative industries our whole careers. Mm. And a lot, met a lot of crazy, difficult and, you know, some real personalities. But chefs are Whole other thing. Yeah, I have heard that they were kind of worse than some of those yeah. fashion monsters. Mm. So there were always quite a lot of dramas going on in the kitchen. So that was quite an eye opener. Trying to get three phase electricity and things like that to the street was also another challenge. <laughs> I, you know, just yeah. but it was really good fun. Yeah, I worked there, sold from that. Then I, and I was still just kind of tapping into different things. So I worked across music, art food, film. Fashion, yeah. high, low, you know, and just I was just in Yeah, things, and so, then I yeah. kind of, I am, I love, you know, I was saying, I love architecture and interiors, and mm. and then because I had this terrible flood in this house, I had to move out for three years. I kind of found a place, did that. Then somebody knocked on the door, said, so "Can you know, I want to buy your house." I said, "I'm sorry, it's not for sale." Because I think I was in Primrose Hill, oh, go and we just got there and. They were really persistent, and then they offered me a very large amount of cash, and I was like, okay, you <laughs> yeah, can have go it. on, <laughs> And we don't I said, well, we hadn't even been there six months, so we moved, and then, I, you know, we just kept moving, and I kept doing places, and it was, like, really good fun, and I really enjoyed it, and it was like a sort of sideline. Yeah. And I didn't want to be an interior decorator. I mean, I wouldn't do it for anybody else. I'd do it for my own projects. And it's just basically about creating a fantasy life that maybe... You can't live all these wonderful, fabulous lives mm. or, you know, you might want to live in a really decorative place like this or you want, might want to live somewhere minimal or you yeah. might want to live, I had this apartment around the corner and I kind of did it like kind of chic New York apartment and I just imagined like wandering around, they had this really long hallway like you'd be wandering up the hallway with your cocktail it was quite fab and i made it all like that and then i obviously did an amazing it was really great doing this i worked with like incredible paint incredible historian and incredible paint historian yeah. and you just learn so much and it's this is kind of like it's the same as fashion but it's about i think what i do it took me a very long time to understand what i do and my, yeah. my daughter used to say to me well mom what do you do? What can I, you know, other people's mum works there and does yeah, that, and yeah. what are you? I'm like, what am I? I don't know. But I figured it out. I'm a, out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a yeah. But I figured out, I, I kind of like to create experiences. That's yeah. what I kind of do. A provocateur is an experience. This place, the Kokomawa, is an experience of another mm. kind. This house is an experience. Yeah. The parties that we throw... Our yeah. experience for everybody to enjoy and to you know, mm. and
0: so I suppose that's. I love that. It's such a a, what I do. Beautiful yeah. way of describing actually. Yeah. What you do, you I'm might. sure there's
1: a better way to put it, but no, effectively no, that's perfect. Because even now,
0: what you're doing after Coco Maya, did you just pull out of that and yeah? D- does he exist anymore? I
1: think they sold it on yeah. after
0: yeah. me. So when did you start Let Girl, Boy? Mm, 2017, sorry. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah sort of 10 years after Agence Procteur yeah we do, yeah after selling it i mean
0: yeah it's a largely gender fluid collection of intimate underwear and streetwear mm. with the motto of bed to street is that right <laughs> sort of sort not a hundred percent right right
1: the other thing that happened in that period from 2007 to 2017 was you know i spent more time Here, Um, kids growing up, they were sort of teens, and there were a lot of kids that went through this household. Yeah, (laughs) and because we're in the middle of the West End and we're near everywhere, and it's a sort of safe place to come. And I bet you have a lot of people. They all went to school, you know, around here. So Mm -hmm. after school, it was always the place where they kind of came and hung out. Mm -hmm. But it was really interesting observing, watching, listening, being involved in their conversations, and the highs and lows of being that age, being a teenager, and trying to figure out who you are and what you are, and what's important and what's not, and what you think you should be, and all those questions and funny times and sad times. And I just watched and listened. And it was like a sort of social study, Mm -hmm. taking in and observing. And I just thought, you know what? Something's wrong. These kids feel like this. They feel bad about themselves they feel they need to look a particular way or behave in a particular manner with the rise of social media and that wasn't really helping matters either. No. And I just saw the imagery and a lot of the brands that are out there are just not relevant to this generation mm. and including Provocateur, that What we said with Agent Provocateur was right for 1992 yeah. or the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's not right for now. No. We're like God knows how many years on and things have moved. There's still a place for it, but it is not the powerful message that it was back then. No. Because that message was taken and people ran with it. And as I said earlier, maybe they went too far with it. And yeah. so where are we going to go? And actually it sort of has come full circle. And so I created this brand. The idea was it's about, it's sort of trying to say Best you can be is to be yourself and to be down with yourself and to be comfortable in your own skin. Mm. And you know, you don't have to have your tits shoved up underneath your chin. Boys don't have to have six packs and these perfect bodies, and girls certainly don't. And actually, just being you is—it's good enough. It, Mm. and you know, and try to own that and realize that, and you'll be in a happier place, and the pressures will be different. And it's happening. It's happening slowly, and. I think, you know, everything from the whole hashtag me to mm. movement, the whole LGBTQ yeah <laughs> blah, yeah. It, because it's like, you don't have to define yourself. You don't have to, you might feel like wearing this this day and not the other day, and yeah. I might define myself as this, that or the other, but you don't have to. Mm. Just be. Yeah. Just, you know, as you are, is it. And yeah. so I suppose that was the message and in a weird kind of way, it's really similar to agent provocateur, but it's just the right thing for now. for now. And it's about moving along. Not everything can last forever and it shouldn't. Mm. And so it's just addressing the needs in a different way. Mm. And I mean, that term gender fluid is quite annoying because the first person, I think it was Business of Fashion, the first piece that was written about this new brand that I created said, oh, it's gender fluid, and it's not gender fluid there are shareable items that anybody can wear and yeah. you know girls like wearing boys pants and you know and that was the other thing about all the kids it's like they all shared everything their clothes and be like where are all those you know and they didn't you wouldn't no one wears dressing gown anymore they come down in a hoodie and and it was just this sort of and I kind of coined that phrase bed to street because they kind of rolled out of bed threw on another layer looked great hung out Went down the road to meet somebody, came back, went to the disco, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. But there were these sort of layers of their life and clothing that they could kind of mishmash together, which they did and still do. And I just like the element of that sharing. So they, people moan and complain about social media and say, oh, it's awful, and kids don't talk to each other and they only look at their phone and, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But actually, they have the ability to talk. Openly about a lot of things that maybe we might not have spoken yeah. about, yeah. and certainly not to our parents. And so I learned so much from them. So I have them to thank for, for this brand. Hopefully, we don't need any more brands. We don't need any more underwear. It, but it's trying to say mm-hmm. it, there's a message behind it. Yeah. It's not just because I thought I was never going to make another bra or pair of underwear <laughs> ever again, and here yeah. I am, back backslap writing
0: it. I suppose that thing though isn't it? They're right there in front of you, so you can see it all going on. Yeah. And it's almost talking to you about what it is, yeah. right? Without you even yeah. going out other? looking yeah. for it, I suppose, right? Yeah. And sort of having to really think about it. Yeah. I mean I, I love the idea of it as a brand. I mean I must admit, you know what you're saying about gender fluid. Mm. I wrote that because it was something that I read yeah, about yeah. it. I actually can't bear all these different nice. names that have been developed because I'm a bit like you know what, it's it's weirdly, it's saying so you can be whatever you want to be, but by the way, we put you in a little box that's got a name to it. Yeah. And I thought the whole point is not being in a box. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um,
1: I have to I say though, you know what, the other day Pride starts outside here down right. in Portland Place. I'm enraged. I went out into the street. First of all, I was like, I think I've been to Glastonbury the week before and I'd seen so many bloody So I get out of my door and there's like a whole bank of portalists. I'm thinking, what's going on? Oh, Pride. Went out, beautiful sunny day like today, luckily not quite as hot as this. Mm-hmm. The woman went, oh, you can't go in. I said, why not? She went, you've got to have a wristband. Uh-huh. It's that a wristband to go into Pride? It's like, you've got to have a wristband. Of course, I managed to squeeze through a
0: barrier, yeah. but
1: um, it's never stopped me. Mm. Yeah, no. getting into a gay
0: club. No, <laughs> Don't tell <Yeah>. me I need a Yeah, but it's weird, isn't it, how it's... I mean, I don't do the pride thing anymore. Partly because I did it so many years ago, I'm a bit like I don't need to keep marching the streets. Too like, big. It's massive now, it's and cute. I also don't like big crowds in that. I know you hate, it. You'd hate <laughs> it. I don't like they idea of being stuck in a street and not be able to get out. <coughs> yeah, there's something about it now where it's become a totally different thing. Well, it's like
1: that whole hoo-ha, wasn't it? That everybody, every big brand, you know, celebrating pride and yeah, you know, turning a building into a rainbow or, yeah. or you know, whatever. Yeah, it's almost being like politically correct, isn't it, or Yeah, But yeah. then,
0: in the long run, what they're doing is commercializing it for themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. Yeah. So, Serena, you did a pop-up shop in New York. How did that go?
1: Oh, that was fun. It was a very small thing. We did it inside a hotel called The Freehand
0: Where's that?
1: It's kind of midtown. Well, to me, it's quite a strange place that I had not really ever discovered, but actually it's very busy. And the really exciting thing is it's on the, um, when Gay Pride happens, it's on the Gay Pride. Oh, on the parade. On the parade. Hmm. So actually we did coincide with Gay Pride as well, but we opened there and it's like a new kind of cool hangout. That it's not overpriced, so it's hotel rooms that are affordable. Mm. Some of the hotel rooms have even got bunk beds. Oh, right. It's very, yeah, anything kind of goes. So it's kind of well-priced accommodation. It's a place where people hang out. It's quite local to various young people in New York. So it was kind of fun because they have a kind of gift shop, which we completely took over. Mm. Um, they don't have a mini bar, and they don't have room service there. Right. So. It, it, it kind of worked quite well and it's fun and they have a great restaurant there and they do events there and so there's always a sort of rolling crew of people going through that place and we yeah. worked with a girl called Liz Olko who's really kind of cool hipster girl in New York that brings in an amazing crowd. Mm. So it was kind of fun because it's a well-priced brand within a well-priced hotel that's kind of, mm. you know, talking to the same audience. So it was fun. How long um, was that for? I suppose that was probably about... A month long, Mm. but it because it incorporated Gay Pride and it it was the fifty years of Gay Pride. Right,
0: and we so you were there during Gay Pride. Yeah, oh brilliant! So it was
1: super exciting being on the trail. We did like special Pride merch, yeah, if you like, with the free hand. We did uh, workshops and recycling things and reworking your clothing and kind of got all the t-shirts and tie-dyed them and the underwear and mm. did little workshops as well. So there were lots of things going on. Mm. Uh, it was kind of easy pick-up. Yeah, I mean, brilliant. it wasn't everything. It was yeah.
0: Just and I know we've talked before, obviously, about you wanting bricks and mortar, <laughs> just generally, and to have a store, but you've now got this new pop-up in Soho in London you, in Lexington yeah. Street.
1: I mean that's super exciting and it was something that I've been looking at and had been planning and um, will continue to plan pop-ups throughout next year too but mm. what's important to me is that it's creating that experience where people can go in and be immersed in a brand they can touch and feel items because buying online is fantastic and really mm. convenient but you don't know how that fits or how that feels or what we found more than anything is that people who have bought online and bought our product are so surprised by the quality and mm. the fit when they actually receive it that you can't get that can't touch. get that message across, can you? Yeah, you online. can't touch and feel that and understand that mm. online. As much as we try by photographing it in the right way and telling people what it's made of, It's mm. nothing is the same. So I think it's really important to be able to create that. Having people talking to them, having the feedback. And the kind of exciting thing for me with Soho in London is... It takes me back to the nineties, early nineties when we all used to hang out in Solo yeah, yeah. Like with Corinne and everybody mm. over the years. And to go full circle and be back there again is really quite exciting for me and I feel the energy there and I don't think that energy will ever go away from that area. Mm. And not every area has that energy. No. New areas have created some kind of new energy, but that energy will never I'll be there.
0: Because A P was there, wasn't it? That's where you started that. Yeah. And didn't you say at the launch the other day that it's the same date? I know, it was so which rough. is so random. How the hell
1: did that happen? <laughs> I do not know. It's some kind of weird I don't know, something mm. in the stars. And I suddenly realized, oh my God, you know, this is the same point probably, I don't know, 25 years later. Yeah, yeah. And literally it. around the corner as well, isn't it? And also the funny thing was back then when we did that first store in 1994 at the beginning of December, we got it in a nanosecond. We turned it around super fast, cut to 25 got years Got your hands later, dirty. <laughs> I did it again and it's and it feels good, Yeah. you know, and I'm not too proud that I can do that again. Mm. And it still feels exciting and it still has that energy. So I'm really, really happy to have opened there on Lexington Street and to feel that energy again.
0: And how long is it there for?
1: It's there for the month of December, up until the Christmas period. I mean, if all things go well, who knows, we might stay permanently in Soho. I think it's good to, as much as I would like people to touch and feel the product and understand the brand, I need to touch and feel retail again and understand mm. how that works for the brand. And so yes, I'm sure
0: that's changed, hasn't it, since the <laughs> <AP days. laughs> It really has changed. <laughs> we are living in funny
1: times, and the world has changed considerably. And things it's, it's it isn't the same. Mm. And I think what was wonderful for us. at probably the beginning of our careers, or early on in our careers, because we are sort of, we are the same age, we're late 80s, mm. early 90s, beginning, we worked our way, but we weren't afraid, and we were totally stood by our convictions, and the way we thought, and what we believed in creatively, Yeah. and we all worked together in a very collaborative way, to create what we, cre- what we created mm. in the past, and we can do that again, and I think in areas like that, and there's a new energy, and there's a younger mm. energy, and if we can tap in and work with those people and be open-minded that's great I think you know doing business in other cities is very different I think business doing business now, even in our own City of London, is different. Yeah. But I believe that energy is still there, and thank God for Mm. that. Yeah. So not only are we doing the Soho pop-up in London, in Lexington Street, but we are also doing something West Coast, just pre-Christmas, with Fred Siegel. Oh, brilliant, in LA. Yeah, in LA. So it's super exciting. So we're going to have our first pop-up West Coast, actually two, because we're popping... Up or popping in to Fred Siegel <laughs> first of all in their sunset location mm. and then in their Malibu location mm. so it's really nice because they love the brand and so we're doing a pre-Christmas special with them for a few weeks Brilliant. Um, the lead up to Christmas, mm. cocktails, shopping, mm. holiday shopping, right. <laughs> oh, <nice>. <laughs> holidays, <laughs> so, you know so yeah, it's a really great store, though, exciting. Fred Segal, isn't it? Oh, so, my God, yeah. yeah. And do you know what else is funny? There's another funny, serendipitous thing. Not only have we just discovered that we opened the Soho London pop-up mm. you know, on exactly the same date as maybe 25 years before <laughs> when I opened Agent Provocateur. The Fred Segal store, the first time I discovered Fred Segal was the store they used to have on Melrose, which... Agile had its first U.S. store on Melrose, practically opposite Fred Segal. No way. Absolutely. And we went to L.A. before we went to New York with that brand because New York was being so difficult and didn't mm. really want to help us and was making life quite impossible trying to get a secure store. And you go to L.A. and people genuinely want you to do well. They yeah. genuinely want to help you. And they're like, hey. I'll find you a store. Yeah, take this. And Mm-mm. so our first store was, you know, yeah. was at Fred Siegel back in the day. Wow. And it was great. Uh-huh. And that's when I discovered it. And I'm really happy to be involved with them at this point now. Mm.
0: I can imagine the brand doing really well in LA, though. We are, you know. Because of how people dress there. I mean, I imagine it doing well in New York as well. Yeah. But I it's think... It's
1: interesting because when we started, um, some people felt the brand was very London. Right. but other people thought the brand was very LA so I think LA is our place first yeah. in in LA before New York mm. um, we have a great following from LA we have a customer database from LA um, mm. New York of course is important but New York is really changing as far as fashion is concerned and so many people from New York are going to live west coast yeah. and you know we've had various different fashion businesses plant the seed early on and have you know off to LA we're Mm. leaving you know people that we worked with back in the 90s who were always fashion based in New York have gone to LA Mm. because do you remember back in the day trying to do a shoot in LA trying to get a
0: model or something it was hell Yeah.
1: you know but now it's there Mm. they're gearing up they know what they're doing I wonder whether
0: do you think the whole Henry Slimane thing has maybe helped yes absolutely because he obviously decided to locate himself there when nobody was really there isn't it and it's almost like even though he's left now I think it's it's put LA sort of back on the map a little bit in fashion. I think
1: yeah no it wasn't a fashion capital. And I think now it's becoming a lot more important and you see major brands doing things there that they would never have dreamed of doing before. Mm. Okay they always did red carpet for the Oscars and this, that and the other and but now it really has a place. And then there are brands like The Row and you Mm. know things like that. Yeah.
0: Okay, well to finish off just what's next for you, for Le Girl, Le Boy? Where would you love it to go? Well, what's your plan for it? I mean,
1: the biggest satisfaction that I could take, and what I would probably read as a success for this brand, is that we change people's attitude towards how they feel about themselves. Hmm. That message is the best that you can be is to be yourself, and that is what I'm trying to do. And to make people aware of what they're doing, their actions, how they feel and that they're comfortable and that we're offering them something that they really want and helping them understand who they are. Mm,
0: Perfect. I love that. (laughs) Okay, brilliant. Well, just to finish off, just want to go into my quick rapid-fire questions. What's your guilty pleasure? Cake. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is EastEnders. (laughs) Meat, veggie or vegan? All. All of them? All of the above. Okay. When was the last time you cried? Oh, quite a long time ago. Mm. It
1: takes a lot to make me cry. Okay. I She's felt hard. like
0: crying.
1: <laughs> I felt like crying. No, I'm right sure. All.
0: Yeah. She's not hard at all, by the way. She's no. lovely. <laughs> Favourite food to eat? If I said to you, right, we can go eat anywhere you want right now, where would you go?
1: Do you know, uh, oh, I don't know, it's so hard. I like everything from fish and chips to Japanese to fabulous Italian. Yeah. My friend Georgia. I've got a lot of chef friends actually. Yeah. But do you have a favourite restaurant in London? Mm, I don't have one. No. I love the Wolseley, I love Locanda Locatelli, I love Shiki's. Jay Shiki's is one of my faves. Mm. I like good food. Yeah. It's really frustrating because I'm really shit cook. hmm. And uh, be, I get really annoyed when I try to cook because it's never good enough. doesn't taste
0: good enough. Mm. But I'd not eat. I must admit, I always wish I could cook better than I do, mm. to be mm-hmm. honest. Do you know where I went the other day? I did a shoot in Fortnum and Mason. Yeah. And I forgot about the restaurant in there. Have you ever been oh, yeah, there? It's, it's fucking great, isn't
1: it? Which one? The fountain or the new one that they've done on the corner? No, the
0: fountain yeah. upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah.
1: I used to go there with my dad. My oh. dad lives in America, and so when he comes over, and we still do, it, we go I and think, have ice yeah. cream, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. it's great Fortnum
0: it is brilliant isn't it I've got because we were and we were shooting by the ice cream harvest, so they mm. gave us loads of ice cream yeah, I was in heaven that's another guilty poster of mine London or Mallorca oh, sorry I'm afraid it's both. both I'm
1: commuting at the moment yeah. two.
0: <laughs> who would you like to play you in a film of your life
1: Cora <laughs> I don't know
0: actually yeah
1: Ooh. I don't know yeah. I
0: don't know what makes you annoyed rude people hmm what would you say is your best feature or personality trait? Energy, mm.
1: can do, yeah. energy, I
0: don't know. You have got great energy, I think. Mm. Well, yeah. Do you know what, you're a very, you're very up person.
1: Yeah, I'm total optimist.
0: Total, total optimist, optimistic. yeah. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And last question, I love this one. Have you ever done anything illegal? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> tell you what <laughs> everyone always says that you know I'm not going to tell you what it is I have one um, I interviewed a guy Stuart Roberts and he's done a thing he did a thing called haircuts for homeless yeah and he's amazing but he's an Essex. geek. and I said to him you've never done anything legally but not that I'd fucking tell you one here <laughs> <laughs> well that's it thank you oh, my darling lovely chatting. great thank you thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody with my guest Serena Reese. Le Girl Le Boy is currently available from their UK website, which is www.legirlleboy.com. It's also available on their US website, which is www.legirlleboy.com forward slash USA. Le Girl Le Boy is also available at Net-A-Porter, Selfridges, ASOS and Zalando. And remember to look out for their pop-up stores. The current one is on Lexington Street in Soho, London up until the end of December and then also the one at Fred Segal store in Los Angeles. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes including all of Series 1 already available to listen to straight away. Thanks for listening.